At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. What's going on? And welcome into the Friday edition of the Pelicans podcast presented by SeaKeek. I'm Daniel Salerson. Happy game day. Happy weekend to everyone here in the Crescent City. The weather is beautiful outside with it getting a little cooler. Perfect weather for two Pelicans games over the weekend. Of course, the Saints game on Sunday. Halloween weekend as well. So lots to do in the Crescent City this weekend, but I'm glad you're spending a part of your weekend with us here on the Pelicans podcast. We have a great show for you coming up in just a little bit. We'll hear from Zach Cram. He's a writer for The Ringer, and earlier this week, there was an article about the best young cores in the NBA. There's a formula involved with this, but your New Orleans Pelicans are ranked number two due to the young core of Brandon Ingram, Zion Williamson, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, Jackson Hayes, and more. So we're going to find out what goes down behind the scenes as far as how that formula is made and how the Pelicans moved to number two on the list. So we'll get to Zach Cram in just a little bit. Of course, the Pelicans looking to snap a losing streak. What do I mean a losing streak? They lost on Wednesday night against the Atlanta Hawks, 102-99. to A tough go for the Pelicans, but a lot of people left that game, including head coach Willie Green, including Brandon Ingram. Very encouraged from the loss, only... 10 turnovers on the night for the New Orleans Pelicans. A game that came down to the wire, a game that the Pelicans led in the first half. You saw two of the rookies closing out the game in Trey Murphy and Herb Jones. And Herb Jones has started in four straight games in the absence of Josh Hart. He might do so again tonight. Again, Hart listed as questionable for tonight's game. But I think everyone left very encouraged. No moral victories in the NBA, but I feel like the Pelicans are heading in the right direction after Wednesday's loss. It's a home-home back-to-back for the Pelicans this weekend. Tonight, they'll welcome in the Sacramento Kings, and then tomorrow night, they'll welcome in the 4-1 and New York Knicks. More on that at the end of our podcast, but right now, let's go to our interview. Jim Eikenhofer and I caught up with Zach Cram of The Ringer. All right, as we talked about before, joining us now is Zach Cram, who writes for The Ringer. Again, he wrote that great article on the best young cores in the NBA, and the New Orleans Pelicans fell at number two. We certainly like to see that. Zach, appreciate the time. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, well, we really enjoyed the article just for the ranking for the Pelicans. We did we did enjoy it because we learned a lot about the other 29 teams and, and kind of how you do things, but um, for those that haven't had a chance to read it yet or are going to read it after this um kind of where did this get started i know you've done these this a couple of times but what, what was the basis of you all going into kind of a a future power rankings but more of just kind of a the best young core here so i think this started uh this is the third year we're doing it and incidentally that started with the zion williamson draft so i have a note in here about how the pelicans and grizzlies have ranked in the top five every year. And that's because they picked Zion and John Morant respectively, but 
This started because at the time, I think there was a lot of discussion about the team is building for the future. The Knicks, I remember, were one of the, the impetuses for this because the Knicks had a lot of young players and people I work with were saying, oh, the Knicks are set up well for the future. And I got to thinking, are they actually set up well for the future or do a lot of teams have a couple promising pieces? I think when you're caught up in, as one fan base, it's really easy to believe in your guys, right? Your young guys who are coming off the bench, showing some flashes in 15 minutes a game, but every fan base, or for the most part, every fan base has something like that. A couple teams at the bottom of the rankings, maybe not so much, but I got to talking to the folks at 538 who have a five-year player projection system, and I use their numbers every year to see which teams have the best under 25 cores. And sure, it, there's not a huge difference between a 24-year-old and a 25-year-old, but you have to draw the cutoff somewhere. And I think this does a pretty good job of showing mostly who's still on a rookie contract or who might have just signed an extension and therefore which teams are best set up to contend, maybe not this year, but two, three, four years from now. When you, uh, I, I think you just did a good job of kind of explaining the the formula and that kind of thing. But um, in, in layman's terms, I mean, you have a, is there a feeling for why, for example, the, this formula ranked the Pelicans extremely high compared to maybe ESPN does a, a future rankings thing. I'm not sure if you are familiar with that or if you saw that, but uh, um, the Pelicans were kind of more in the middle part of that. Is there something about what 538 does or the formula that they use that would lift the Pelicans to so high in the rankings? So part of it is that this is just a player ranking system. And I believe the ESPN rankings also have management and how much money they have to spend in the market they're in. I think yeah. all of those are factors that don't necessarily favor the Pelicans. Whereas if you just look at the talent on their roster, they have a lot of really good young talent. I think that's probably the biggest difference is like uh, on 538's list, the Nets, for instance, are at the top. And it makes sense why you would most believe in the Nets over the next few seasons. But none of that is because they have players under the age of 25 who you would believe in other than, you know, Nicholas Claxton, who doesn't by himself push them up to the top of the list. Gotcha. That makes sense. Um, did you get any complaints after you did this from, say, Lakers fans of wondering where the over 35 power rankings might be? <laughs> I did have a couple tidbits in the piece, like the Milwaukee Bucks are 30th on this list, but I did say, well, the Bucks are number one if you did a 25 and over list. And that's kind of the pattern you get here. Most of the teams at the bottom of the list are veteran oriented teams, the Bucks and the Lakers and the Nets. And that makes sense because I think there's a misnomer in the NBA. People look at the Lakers this year are a great example because they have so many older players, but usually the older teams are better because if you want to keep an older group together, that's probably because they have a chance to contend for the championship. The reason that the Grizzlies and the Magic and the Pelicans rank near the top of this list is because they've had a lot of lottery picks recently. Sure. So, I mean, you could say in, in some ways that the goal, it's nice to be near the top of these rankings, but the goal is kind of to eventually graduate to where you're not in the uh, top tier of these. Exactly. I think the Suns this year are the best example of that, where Phoenix was in the top 10 last year because they had Aiton and Bridges and Booker. Now Bridges and Booker are 25 years old, so the Suns dropped to 23rd, but I'm pretty sure their fans are happy with the position there. And I think the most interesting teams are the ones who are pretty good right now and at the top of this list. Atlanta is number one. Atlanta just made the conference finals, but they're not like the Pelicans or the Magic. They have a group that can contend right now. So I think the Hawks stood out to me most when making this list, 
Of course, the number one team probably would have stood that anyway, but it's not like they're number one because of all they can do in the future. They're number one because of what they can do right now as well. Sure. Um, as far as the Pelicans specifically go, I'm not sure how much you've had a chance. I mean, we're super early still in the regular season, only having played a handful of games, but um, if you've had a chance to kind of see some of the progress of some of the players that were the reason that they were so high, obviously we haven't seen Zion Williamson play yet this year, but some of the other players like Brandon Ingram and Nikhil Alexander Walker seem to be off to good starts and, you know, encouraging as far as, you know, they're second on this list, but these are guys that are still under 25 that maybe in the next one, they could boost it, boost it up to number one. Yeah. I think Alexander Walker stands out the most among their young players. He's boosted his scoring from, uh, what 11 points per game to 17 and granted he's playing a lot more but it's encouraging that he's been able to maintain that level of production in a bigger load I also think one of the other factors that helps teams at the top of this list isn't just the stars but the depth players that's where Atlanta stands stands out because it's not just Trey Young it's also John Collins and Kevin Herger and DeAndre Hunter and Cam Reddish and if they didn't have Hunter and Reddish the Pelicans would have been ahead of them so someone like Trey Murphy who has shot over 40% from three so far this season. He was very good in college, very good in the preseason. He's an encouraging figure going forward because he might not have star level potential, but if he can turn into a good rotation player, that really helps them down the line as well. Does eye test in, get involved in any of this formula or is it just purely projections? When you start to look at even the Pelicans, for instance, I know you wrote this before, uh, obviously the season starting or, or right during it, um, but when you factor into maybe next year and you see a Herb Jones, for instance, for the Pelicans, who's now starting, uh, started in three straight games, was a second round pick, may not be projecting very high right now, but you kind of look and see, wow, he's had an impact with the Pelicans for, for three straight games now. Does any of that get, you know, part of the rankings or is it purely just the, the stats coming from 538? So it isn't part of the rankings itself, but I like in the blurbs to try and highlight some other players and keeping an eye on. I think like Claxton for the Nets was an example last year where he might not have ranked so highly in the projections, but you could tell from the way they were using him in the preseason and talking about him that he might be special down the line. And I think that's where projections are kind of fuzzy, right? Especially if yeah. you're looking at five years and especially when you're looking at younger players, a projection system usually knows what to do with a player who's 30 years old because it has a lot of data on him already. A projection system for a rookie or a second year guy necessarily has a lot of wiggle room on either side. So it's best not to necessarily sweat like, am I second or am I third? Especially when two teams are pretty close. It's more about, am I in the top five or am I you know, in the bottom half of the league? Usually those differences are pretty major. Zach, when you're talking about duos, you're looking at the Pelicans, you know, this team is really, you know, centered around Zion Williamson and Brandon Ingram. When you're looking at your rankings and looking at these other teams in the top 10, as far as duos are concerned, obviously Atlanta, how deep they are um, with their roster, with a lot of their young pieces. Where do you feel like the Pelicans are as far as where you think they are with just those duos as far as Zion Williamson and Brandon Ingram? Because both very young guys, both have a ton of potential um, I know those kind of two lifted the Pelicans, probably the number two, but, but where do you see them as far as future projections and kind of where they stand now as some of the, one of the best young duos in the NBA? Yeah. So Zion Williamson was fourth uh, among all under 25 players behind only Luca, Jason Tatum and LaMelo Ball and Brandon Ingram was 15th. So the Pelicans, I believe were one of only three teams to have two top 15 players, the others being the Hawks with Trey Young and John Collins and the Nuggets that uh, could, because they have Michael Porter Jr. and Jamal Murray 
once he returns from his injury. So I think that's a really promising start. It's funny that I, I think I mentioned Trey Murphy's name before Zion. And obviously when you're thinking about the Pelicans future, Zion's the most important part. And the projection systems don't know when he will return from injury. I don't think anyone knows when he will return from injury. So that's obviously a big X factor here. I think Zion and Ingram are about as good a, a two person young core as you have in the league, other than maybe I'd probably take Porter and Murray ahead of them just because I think their game is probably fit better next to each other. But Zion and Ingram, if they're both healthy, I think give New Orleans as bright a, a talent-based future as any team in the league has. It's just a matter of making sure they're both on the court together because then they'll be able to figure out how they fit best next to each other. I know Ingram's numbers in particular look a lot different. His usage looks a lot different when he is on the court with Zion versus when he's not on the court with Zion. And that's not a problem. Other superstar pairings had that in the league. Kevin Durant and Steph Curry didn't play the same with each other when they were on the court versus split. So I don't think that's a problem. It's just they need experience to work through that and figure out how to team together best. The Pelicans played the Hawks on Wednesday. They now will take on the Sacramento Kings tonight who are in the top 10. But when you're looking at this list, and I know you can't really project too much in the next year, but is there a team that you're keeping an eye on that one is either going to drop maybe that Phoenix Suns kind of deal where, you know, some guys just turn 25 and they'll have to drop back. Or is there a team maybe that is based on where projections might go this year, they'll get another lottery pick next year that, a team could start falling into that top 10 or, or getting into the top 10 and maybe up in the top fives or a team that, or a team that just kind of intrigues you that you're keeping an eye on this season that kind of you're excited out of their young force. A couple of the teams that interest me most are the ones that are starting to rebuild a team like the thunder, which seems like it's been rebuilding for a while is still just 17th in these rankings. I don't think they've found another core piece next to shy Gilgis Alexander. A lot of their young players last year did not perform particularly well. So I'm waiting to see if they can get a second player next to him. The Rockets are another team that was basically at the bottom of these rankings. Every time I had done it before, they ranked 30th and 29th as they pursued a title with James Harden and only went for veterans. Now they've moved up to 20th because they had a bunch of rookies that they drafted, Jalen Green. Most notably, if they're bad at the top of the lottery again, I could see them zooming up to the top with a new superstar duo. Uh, the team also that entered the top 10 that was like nowhere close to it last year was the Charlotte Hornets. And I think they speak to how quickly a team's outlook can change. They were 28th and 24th the last two times they had done this, which wasn't a very good place to be because it's not like the Hornets were winning games. It was like the Hornets and the Rockets and the Lakers at the bottom of these rankings. Two of those teams were contending and the Hornets were not. Then they get LaMelo ball. And that goes to show how quickly one player can change the direction of a franchise. LaMelo looked like he was a number three pick. We didn't really know what to expect from him. Now he ranks third among all under 25 players over the next half decade because his rookie season, what he did that young was so extraordinary. So I could see LaMelo and Miles Bridges and PJ Washington and that group jumping even higher if LaMelo builds on his rookie success. Good stuff there. That's Zach Graham who writes for The Ringer. Again, you can go on The Ringer dot com to read the article how can folks follow you on twitter if that's the easiest way to get to the article you wrote you can follow me at zach cram that's z-a-c-h-k-r-a-m on twitter or uh i guess that's it <laughs> you can follow me on at zach cram on twitter that's z-a-c-h-k-r-a-m thanks so much yeah perfect zach i really appreciate the time uh, really good stuff there we'll be keeping an eye on those rankings next year hopefully the pelicans are still in there in the top five but number two this year behind the atlanta hawks I really appreciate the time and look forward to reading some more of your stuff. Thanks so much. Have a great weekend.
Good stuff there from Zach. And if you want to go and check out the article yourself, you can log on to theringer.com. Okay, so here we go. Pelicans and Kinks tonight from the Smoothie King Center, 7 p.m. Central Time. Tickets are still available, 504-525-HOOP or pelicans.com. Same goes for tomorrow night. It's a big one against the New York Knicks. They're coming off a big win over the Chicago Bulls. They snapped their four-game winning streak last night. And now the Pelicans will take on the Knicks in a home-home back-to-back on Saturday. And then the Pelicans will hit the road for a week. As Monday, they'll hit the road and will take on Phoenix on Tuesday, Sacramento Wednesday, Golden State Friday. They'll spend the entire weekend in Dallas and wrap up next Monday against the Mavericks. Full schedule on pelicans.com. And our goal is to preview Tuesday's matchup against the Phoenix Suns with Brian Anderson, who will be on the call of that game for the NBA on TNT. A big thanks to Zach Cram again from The Ringer. Also, a big thanks to Jim Eikenhofer of pelicans.com. Until next week, but hopefully we see you tonight or tomorrow night inside the Smoothie King Center. For Jim, I'm Daniel. Thanks for listening to the Pelicans podcast presented by CQ Pels, and have a great weekend.